Welcome to Shmeman Speaks, featuring the words and wisdom of Father Alexander Shmeman from the archives of St. Vladimir's Seminary in New York. In this second presentation, uh, is try to show that um, what we call Christian life uh, has as its also uh, as its essential dimension and the more than dimension, a kind of source in uh, that conversion of which we spoke uh, yesterday. Um, Christian life uh, is the way we, how to say, we live our faith uh, in the world, personally, socially, professionally, uh, in general, how we make the life given to us, uh, only one life given to us, therefore decisive, uh, how we make it uh, Christian, life in Christ, life um, uh, inspired by, transformed, measured, and ultimately uh, fulfilled as Christian life. And uh, if, uh, as I said yesterday, that uh, the Christian faith is always a conversion, a, a something which never can be taken for granted, which comes to us again and again as something eternally new, so that it cannot grow old. Uh, the same can be said about the Christian life, and to, to show what I mean by this rapprochement between the notion of Christian life and conversion is exactly my task uh, right now. And again, as yesterday, uh, of the most important things in this world, we usually have to speak in 45 minutes. Uh, so um, uh, I always feel that in my relationship with myself, I have spent all my life in tables of contents, <laughs> which uh, I had never time to sort of uh, develop in, in. Now, um, of conversion, of the very notion of conversion, of the conversion as change, uh, one can say first that it is something unique in the sense of just uh, happens once. It is an event, uh, unique and uh, in many ways unrepeatable. That uh, uh, example. I gave you yesterday uh, of the conversion of Paul Claudel, the, the French poet, uh, that always remains for him a unique event from which everything else stands and follows. Uh, There's a good word in, in, in Greek to, um, to um, express that uniqueness of the conversion. Uh, it is the word apax once and for all. There is no need to prove that, in a sense, uh, whatever happens to my conversion, whatever um, uh, happens after the conversion as a unique event, it would always be precisely unique. Now, what is, how can we uh, go a little further in understanding of that uniqueness in now Christian terms. First of all, a conversion is a gift. And the gift is given once and for all, uh, at least by God. 
God does not remove from us what he has given us. For example, he has given us his only begotten son, given away to us, for us. And that gift remains. If the conversion is the reception of that gift, it is a unique event. Um, it is the gift of Christ himself to us. And again, it is, um, uh, it is in that respect unique. It is a grace which is given and which is not removed from us. We can fall out of that grace. The grace remains. Uh, the, the, the conversion is always, and looking at it in the pers perspective of the divine will, is the fulfillment of that which we read in the Holy Scripture. Lo, I stand at the door and knock. That door, when we open it, is that fulfillment. Uh, it is also unique in the sense that it would be almost vain and useless to find categories of, of uh, uh, conversion. Typologies, yes, on a certain level, but deep down, it is the unique encounter of God with a unique person, always. Uh, it is always something that has happened to me and decisively has happened once. Now, all those brief remarks in order to, to prove one point, which I think is theologically and spiritually very important. Uh, if you read, uh, especially St. Paul, uh, uh, but of course, St. Paul is, is this not, I'm not in those theologians who would say this is the Pauline trend, the Johannine trend, this is a synoptic Christianity, you know, all that, uh, as if we uh, uh, had to choose among them. But it is Paul who develops something absolutely essential for the understanding of, of, um, uh, of the Christian faith and the Christian faith uniqueness. Uh, he uses two sentences which we because we have never time to think deeply, confuse one with another. He speaks of Christ in us. And also he speaks of us in Christ, or I in Christ. Now I think that this, um, this double, double use of almost the identical uh, sentence, definition, description of what Christianity is, is the key to our understanding of the Christian faith, of the Christian life, and also of the church as the locus of that faith and of that life. Christ in us. Uh, this is what? This is exactly the fruit of that unique and divine gift. We have not chosen him. We have forgotten God. We didn't know him. It is he who comes because he wants to be in us. Hence, this whole admirable development for which we have no time, as the understanding of, of uh, the man, of uh, the man's body and soul as the temple in which God abides. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have a sacrament of chrismation. In fact, it's identical to the chrismation of a church, uh, the transformation of a human being into this uh, darochranisins, the tabernacle in which 
and we will come to him and will make our abode in him. Now, this is the, the first, not aspect, but the first reality of the Christian faith. It is God in us. And more specifically, Christ, the Son of God in us, because he, is, he makes our hands, his hands, our bodies, his body, our, our souls, our humanity itself into his uh, presence in this world. In that respect, to develop this, this um, first uh, sentence of St. Paul, Christ in us, we could say that it is, for example, our faith. First of all, is his faith. It is he, his faith in his Father. It is his total, total... Uh, we are always very anxious to get, as soon as, we, uh, as, as soon as we can, from the identification of our parents, you know. We do not uh, enjoy being called, oh, he is the son of so-and-so. No, 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 I'm by myself, you know. And then uh, Papa already said, you passé, right? I mean, uh, 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 I want to be on my own, you know. And, and the whole uh, line in literature and culture is always this clash of generations and so on. This don't trust anyone above 30, you know. And comes to 30, you will understand it. It's rather sad. Uh, now, all this, each one looking for self-affirmation. Now, who is our God? Our God is the one who wants eternally to be the Son. And who doesn't think that this is diminishing him. Doesn't think that to be... All, eternally, from eternity into eternity, the beloved son of his father is his hypostasis, his very personal, his divinity is in being the son of God. And uh, hence, everything he does, he does it because his father has all. In obedience, we are first of all saved by Christ's obedience to his father. On Holy Saturday, don't miss that matins. It is this answer he gives us. O life, why dost thou die? And the answer comes from that Psalm 118. Because the Father wants me to die. And I die. And because it is a death, obedience, the death is trampled by death. Because it's the death is fully love in that case, death is life. And we are risen from the dead. So, uh, when I say... He in us, it's first of all that faith which is in us. It is not our little space. It is, it is something which, it is then his love given to us. We cannot. We, our love has been, um, not of course hopelessly, but, but uh, really almost destroyed by the greatest of all catastrophes, which is the original sin, and which is nothing else. You know, don't think that it just... Uh, a little transgression of a rule. It was a deviation of love. Man preferred to man, according to Saint, to Saint. Ha! If you hear whom I have in mind right now, Jean-Paul Sartre said, uh, "Man is uh, man. C'est une passion inutile. Man is a useless love. He is love. Of course, it is a." useless love in Jean-Paul Sartre, but it is his essence. From that point of view, such arch enemies of our faith as Freud, as, uh, as um, uh, uh, Sartre, in their darkness, in their apostasy, they still said something very important. It is horrible 
that Freud believed that the libido is love, but it was it is not horrible to try that the libido is the deviated love. It is the fallen love. It is a horrible thing that a man like Sartre says that man is a useless passion. But he is right. Man is a passion. Man is a love. Man is a desire. And therefore, it is our love has been deviated. He gives us his love. He says that this, it is the Holy Spirit which pours into us Christ's love. It is his joy. It is his life. All this is Christ uh, in us. And in this sense, uh, in this sense, the, um, uh, the church, which is Christ continued, which is the very gift of that life to us, which is his presence in us, where two or three are gathered, I am in them. It is, um, therefore, uh, the church is itself the gift or the revelation or the continuation uh, of this Christ in us. We are gathering at the Divine Liturgy not in order to only to, to, to say something to God, but first of all to receive again and again that unique gift given Apax once and for all. To realize, to, 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 to receive that Christ in us. And therefore, if this is so, then the, 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 our, the essence of our Christian life is, first of all, the response to that gift, the acceptance of that gift, the life in, by that gift. And this is exactly the meaning of the second Pauline definition, and that is, we in Christ. Uh, abide in me be in me. Without me, you can do nothing. So, first, of course, ontologically, first in the order of salvation and of revelation is the Christ in us. Essential response to it, we in Christ. And it is this second, we in Christ, which to which I apply now the second definition of the conversion. If the conversion, the Christ in us, is unique because he comes and never leaves, because in fact he has already come. Uh, if someday we have a retreat on, on, on the meaning of the sacrament of repentance, you will see that there is no new forgiveness. That's why the order of, of, of forgiveness of, of, um, of this um, um, the little decadence in the liturgy of repentance with all those, I forgive your sins and so on. I don't forgive anything. I take a man as a priest and take him back because he has repented where the forgiveness is, is. <laughs> where Christ is, who is our forgiveness, into the church, which is the kingdom of forgiveness. All right. Uh, but the response to that, my acceptance of that gift, my life in that gift, this is all uh, not, not the apax conversion, but this is where we can speak of the Christian life it, itself, of its struggle, of its uh, growth, of its of all, as a continuous reconversion. It is the life of, of a constant return to that conversion which I constantly lose or abandon 
or forget or misinterpret or uh, let it be stolen by the prince of this world. Why, therefore, we sh not only this term conversion is, um, uh, is adequate to, to what I'm trying to say, but why conversion is a unique, uniquely important principle of the Christian life. First of all, because of the very nature of what happened in Christ to the world. We are living in a time uh, whose sim most, simple, um, most simple definition is that we're living between the two comings of Christ. Between, uh, or as Oscar Kuhlmann, the great uh, Protestant theologian says, we are living between the D-Day and the V-Day. Uh, uh, the D-Day, the department, they already decided the fate of the war. It inflicted, uh, it was the beginning of that V, of the victory. It was decisive. And yet, those who remember that, 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 uh, that time know how much blood, how many sufferings. You know, there is always in, in every war a soldier who is usually killed after the armistice has been signed just because the telephones and even the telegrams are not rapid enough. And uh, therefore, this is applicable to Christianity. Today, the king, the, 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 I, I have seen Satan falling from heaven. And if we, uh, if we were uh, as spiritual as those who saw it, we would have seen that also. But that's precisely why the struggle is, uh, is not only continuing, but in the gospel there is a very serious doubt whether whether there will be many seed. This is the, 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 the live between the two comings, between the one in which that gift was given and the ultimate triumph of God is therefore to, to live in a struggle between the two essential categories of the Christian faith, between the old and the new. In, a, in applying this to our personal existences, the church calls that the presence in us of the old Adam and of the old Eve. Uh, that old Adam, we, Christianity, because of freedom, because of, of, of factors which, which I'm sure you know and maybe guess as I speak, and I don't have to go into that, uh, uh, salvation is never magical. Salvation is never ex opere operato. Salvation is never something which, which, which uh, I can, this is where we part our ways with all those, and I'll speak about that in my tonight's lecture, about those uh, uh, happy people who, who can go to and say, uh, I met my God and Savior yesterday at 3 p.m., uh, was saved, gave up smoking and drinking, and, uh, and, 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 and now accuse all of you brothers that you are still drinking, smoking, and living in darkness, uh, whereas I, I'm saved. Now, uh, 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 the Puritan is the one who thinks that he is both the V and the D-Day <laughs> in himself, so to speak, you know, no problem, you know. Uh, uh, but in, our, in, in, in the real biblical, scriptural, traditional, patristic, and you, you, you invent other definitions, Christianity, this is not so. Uh, we are saved. We are saved. But we have to appropriate to integrate that salvation. I have to enter into that which I have become. Hence, this sentence is in St. Paul and in, in other authors of Christianity, uh, 
What does he say when he's preaching morality, said Paul? He says, be what you are. Become what you are. Yes, or the, the scholastic theology later on will call that the theology of the character. All that we receive creates a character in me. It has become a part of my nature. But it is, it belongs to me. It belongs to be my cross, as you will see in a minute, to, um, to uh, uh, make mine the salvation that has already occurred. And that is, the, therefore, that living between the D-Day and the V-Day is exactly the... Uh, what Dostoevsky called this is this is the the, the field in which this, the the, the uh, battle the struggle between the devil and God is intensified to an uh, incredible degree, and that is why the history of those two thousand years, you know, since the Christian era of human history, is so much blood. You know, it's because everything accelerates. If we had, I don't preach at all. I hate this apocalyptic approach to history. You know. Something happens in the city of Kastrama, then the second coming is for tomorrow, you know. Uh, uh, no, th th this is just like the Puritan who is saved. You know, those people always know when Christ comes back, although Christ himself said that the son doesn't know. You know, they, they know. And they put that in their parish bulletins. Uh, <laughs> those glorious announcements. Uh, I'm not preaching that kind of thing. I only say that, that the... the uh, history and every act and every word and everything has acquired in this time uh, in this this time of the church the times between the in in and tremendous gravity importance seriousness because really we are living even if that life will continue for two billions years for it we are living in the last days not apocalyptically but the days which in their quality are ultimate because the ultimate has happened. The Son of God has died on the cross, uh, has risen from the dead. That full revelation, the epiphania has taken place. Go and tell the others what happens. You see the, the dead being risen and so on. So um, this is why, why this, this conflict is, first of all, is not as the science uh, tells us, sociology, and other doubtful sciences, uh, that it all happens because of structures, because of something. Change the structure. Go back to the gold exchange, or, or, or I don't know, whatever. We are right now in New York uh, looking the old and the new Adam uh, in economy, fighting each other, right? I mean, uh, what will bring back? The... No, this is, first of all, that battle is in each man. And, of course, first of all, in the Christian person. And that is why... Um, uh, it can be described, that struggle, as a content, my constant, my own reconversion to me as the new Adam, or at least as the one who, uh, who uh, put that newness. And the struggle is not between simply bad and good, between the old and the new. I myself, each one of us here is, on the one hand, totally identified with this world, and that is a technic, terminus technicus in the Bible. The world of which uh, it is said that we shouldn't even like it, love it, you know, because it's everything in it is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of man. And we are also, by our conversion, salvation, 
sacraments belonging to Christ and so on, we are also belonging to the world which for this world is still the world to come, but of which, believe it or not, will be again be uh, feel, if only we have some purity in our heart, the whole splendor, the peace, the joy, the victory in this uh, in this chapel tomorrow as we will celebrate the sacrament of the kingdom of God. So reconversion, reconversion, constant return, a return to that which already is in me indelibly, and yet which I, I jump out of. Uh, why? Because constantly are returning to that same lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and that is lust not, doesn't have to be identified, you know, in a Freudian manner. It is the other desire. It is the desire which forgets that the fundamental desire has been already satisfied. We have seen the true light. We have partaken of the Holy Spirit. Why is it that there are moments when I am irresistibly out of all that? How strong is the devil? So, I would now, therefore, uh, uh, speak of, of um, briefly of what does it mean precisely in terms of our Christian life. No longer in terms of our Christian faith, but of Christian life. Uh, and, um, of course, the first point I would like to make again briefly is that um, uh, the church, which is... Which is um, uh, here occupies a unique position. That's what so many people do not understand. Why for this Christian life has its constant source? Not in something which happened in the church. In my particular case, uh, so many decades ago in, at the cathedral of, of the city of Tallinn when I became Christian. But why the church is the real framework source of that of that reconversion because let's take first of all it's worship now we are orthodox christians and we are maybe uh, in many ways the last battalion in this world of christians um, who have had yet no doubts that uh, the liturgy and by liturgy i mean the entire worship of the church is something absolutely essential uh, I remember of that Protestant seminary somewhere in upstate New York where the faculty and the students unanimously decided in the 60s uh, to repent to God that they spent too much life, life time in the chapel praying while the underdeveloped or whoever they are, you know, uh, less favored even this, and so on, were suffering and so on, and they decided to close the chapel. Now, to close the chapel. Uh, simply because it's waste of time when, when we have to, to, to be witnesses of Christ's kingdom in, in, in South Bronx. Okay. Uh, thus, why that chapel is not precisely the church, the liturgy, because the church has her constant self-expression in worship. Why for the Christian life? Why for that which will take, take me out of the chapel? take me into my personal life, into my professional life, into my political life, whatever life is made up, why it all begins, where my first battery, my first pump is. Is it simply because I, I'm inspired, I'm, I'm here, I can read the gospel at home. If uh, so, maybe even sometimes knowing some Russian proto-deacons, I think is the best solution is to read at home, you know, and not uh, to have a uh, 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 
I don't know what about you. Maybe you are holy people and I'm not, but I always found it extremely difficult to pray in the church. If by prayer I mean, uh, you know what we do. Uh, it's very difficult. Then I was liberated from that pangs of conscience by Jesus Christ, who says, when you pray, go to your room, wash your face, lock the door and pray. Ideal. At this point, people say, but when do I go to church? Ah, that's where the whole point is. Why? Because the church, it, just as I have to be reconverted to something all the time, the church is, first of all, the presence, the power, and the knowledge of that gift. Ah, you know, we Orthodox like, and I spent all my life trying to clarify that thing. I don't know whether I succeeded. We like to speak about the symbolism of worship. And that can go very far, you know that. That can, that can take some liturgical cuckoos to, to, um, to a kind of symbolic explanation of every button on the bishop's homophorian. You know? uh, seven uh, buttons, uh, the kingdom of, uh, I mean, the seven sacraments, this and that. You know, you, you can go very far that. And all this, of course, is, is, is on a, uh, on, on, uh, is unnecessary. It's all those little decorations which people don't know what to do. They put, you know, it's a, it is like a Christmas tree, but the Christmas tree is a miracle because whatever you put there, you know, ultimately it's become some, some mysterious things beautiful. But the, the, the liturgy is, only has, is symbolic of only one thing, but then in the real sense. It is a unique, unique epiphany, manifestation, symbol in this world of that which otherwise cannot be seen or experienced, and that is the kingdom of God. That which we are told to love with all our, with all our power, with all our, the church, it's not even pedagogy to serve. It's not a reenactment. Don't think that we do it. The, it is, as Alexis Alosha Karamazov in 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 in, in uh, Brothers Karamazov, there is that prikasnavinya kmiram inim. It is touching the other worlds. Uh, let me explain briefly what I, what what that description is not a, some pious poetical definition, but the uniqueness and the reality of the worship. We are not going to church primarily to pray. We are not going to church primarily to, to fulfill our Christian duties. We are not only even going to church in order to be educated, although uh, the church has that aspect. We are going to church in order to A, leave the world, and B, ascend in Christ, ascend in Christ, go where he is, and he is in his kingdom. The crucial text for me has been, uh, since I, I read it with kind of, and was shocked almost, converted, is in St. Luke, at the Last Supper, which Christ said, I will not drink with you of that wine unless the kingdom of God is fulfilled. But I appoint unto you a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Our theology, unfortunately under bad influences, developed as Christ constantly descending on our, to our altars. Study the liturgy. Understand it and you will see that the liturgy is an ascension to heaven. It is not he descending, it is we ascending. And where we are ascending are not simply a good place to be, so to speak, you know, a little compartment for religious people. Uh, on, on the way 
to that ascension, we discover things which we could not discover otherwise. Why is it that, and I don't know, I, you know, that explanation takes me two semesters, two hours a week, therefore you understand that it will be very brief this time. Uh, why is it that on our way to, to, to find listening those impossible words on which our whole life depends, take, eat, this is my body, drink ye all of this, this is my blood, on the way, for example, we have not only the time, but the, the need to say, holy, 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 Lord God of heaven and earth are full of thy glory. How... Uh, and this is essential because we are ascending, because we are seeing that world, God's creation in Christ, saved, transfigured. We are already there. Or as my one of my favorite writers, that, uh, that American writing in French, Julien Green, said, tout est ailleurs, everything is elsewhere. And this is exactly the function of the liturgy. Take the sacraments. Take uh, the Eucharist, of course, which is the sacrament of sacraments, the essential mystery. Take um, uh, uh, this complexity, which sometimes, of course, it can be destroyed by too much zeal sometimes. You know. uh, Talleyrand, who wasn't a great Christian, but was still a, a deposed bishop, so he understood what he says. He always says, surtout pas de zèle, especially no zeal. <laughs> uh, because the zeal is usually to calculate to hear us and not to listen to them. Uh, to know exactly where to put that famous uh, hymn of life, which today, because Friday falls on a Thursday, has something, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing, uh, which, uh, to which they can say, the kingdom of God is already come, you know, and that is the typicon. Uh, uh, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that complexity is because, because it's so complex for us to leave that world, you know. And yet, study into what? What reality the church has developed from, from the beginning? Take uh, uh, the liturgical year. Uh, if we took it seriously, my dear friends, well, in each season, in a different manner, we are given the full taste of the kingdom of God. The full taste of it. We're just entering right now, we are approaching something absolutely unusually beautiful, first of all. And that is that bright sadness of uh, of Lent, for Lent is not not as people think a constant concentration on my booboos, sins, and so on and so forth. Uh, the Lent is only one thing. By showing us, by showing us, by the silence, by its by its depths, by its showing us again what we have lost because we have sinned. It's not a morbid introspection. With whom, how many times, and where? Uh, uh, it is not at all that kind of thing. It is introducing us into the other reality. And as you stand, even this madness today, you stand and you stand. It may be so monotonous. If you open your heart to that, you are there. Something which nothing in the world will give you. Uh, then, of course, I don't have to defend, you know, this, 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 uh, the, East of, uh, the um, uh, Feast of Easter, which is, simply is, is the Feast of the Kingdom of God. Uh, and thou hast opened to us the gates of paradise. What is that night if not the experience, human experience of a supernatural joy? Nothing else to speak of. Uh, the moment we Easter is passing by, the Pentecost comes. The last and great day of Pentecost, which, which gives finally to the word thirst its ultimate meaning, because that Holy Spirit comes to the rain. Uh, and so on, you know. And then take the Mariological Center. 
the incredible depth and beauty of, of, of what is revealed to us, uh, to the Church, by her knowledge of the Theotokos. Uh, and you can continue. Uh, in the celebration of each saint, something covered. So, uh, what if I chose for my field of studies liturgy? It's not. It's not at all because of that love uh, of the buttons on the bishop's homophoria. Precisely because being born in that kind of uh, under uh, in the shadow of a wonderful bishop, I must say. At one po point, I said that maybe, maybe all that really has a meaning. Not only to say, you know. You know who is that little boy going with? He's St. John the Baptist. Uh, who, who are we at the great entrance? We are cherubim and seraphim. Uh, I said, where am I? The button is not a button. I'm a cherubim. Uh, uh, the deacon, somebody. And then all of I said, maybe there is something behind all that which is not as strange and as unnecessary as, as all that sounds. And little by little, that revelation comes that Standing in the church, we're standing in heaven. And heaven is not that which Bultmann and company could not realize, could not understand, because they were always... Uh, heaven is where Christ is. Heaven is God. Heaven is... Uh, the best uh, in, uh, Christian definition of the heaven was given by John Chrysostom when he said, what do I care about heaven when I myself have become heaven by that incarnation? So... Uh, in the Christian life, this is my main point, uh, we, uh, it is rooted, first of all, in that rhythm which is absolutely essential. To be, to lead a Christian life, I know the questions which will follow, but I, I foresee them, uh, but right now let me positively explain how I see it. The first route to be, to lead a Christian life, first of all, one must lead a full church life. And I don't mean, I don't mean the transformation of the church in a kind of non-stop committee meeting. This is three old Adam in one. Uh, not in the idea that the church is constantly to require from us religious activities. Uh, no, no. Uh, Refreshingly enough, the primitive community, as I see, I uh, tried to detect, I tried to detect uh, from time to time the book of Acts, all those church activities, you know. Uh, and no, we still don't know what they were doing between the Sundays. I imagine they went to their offices, uh, op businesses. Uh, uh, no one ever said I, I stopped being a merchant. Uh, so uh, when I say the church life is exactly what the canon law says, not my favorite term of reference. Uh, uh, it says if somebody has missed the, the, the divine liturgy without a reason for three Sundays consecutive, he's out. Why? Not because God says, one, two, three, out. <laughs> but because without that, there is no life. You know, it's like, like, uh, like uh, 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 not change the oxygen tank and then be quite surprised that the patient has died. Uh, because this is where we become what we are. Because not because we need a little bit of spiritual inspiration in the sense. That is a dangerous thing, but I am the measure of what I'm receiving. Because this acts, the church fulfilling herself as the body of Christ, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, as the symbol, the parousia of the kingdom of God, as the fullness, and as first of all, this visible edification of the church 
many being one in Christ, united not by anything, but by, by the order of Christ, uh, stayed together. Uh, by, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, that when you are having love among themselves. So, and, and all that which developed, not only in aesthetical categories, but that spiritual reality of the church, we have to be rooted in that. Our first reconversion takes place every Sunday. Uh, Sunday after Sunday, on the Kyriaki Mera, on the day of the Lord, we come into the church for that reconversion. We come in tired, bleeding, cynical, um, uh, half people, you know, completely dominated, for, even after one week, by the old Adam. And here again, the same story always begins. It is the church that reveals to me again the gift which I receive. It is the church which makes me rejoice about that gift. It is the church that takes me through repentance. It is even in the, the most humble little church, you know, always the same prospera anaphora begins. First, the prospera. I'm coming there finally not as a consumer, although we, we also think of the church as consumers today. I'm going there to, to offer myself in a sacrifice of price. I, I'll, that bread and wine which will be offered to me, which is my life and my body. And then finally this prospera, the sacrifice becomes an anaphora. Ano, 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 up, up, up. And finally we have seen the true light. Take that prayer after communion of St. Chrysostom, of St. Basil's liturgy. We have been filled with thy life. We have been witnesses of the resurrection. We have again seen, touched, and now we are said, go out, go out, and live all that. So this is the why, the, why the church. Sometimes, you know, I sometimes we feel that if not for the church, I might be quite a decent fellow. Uh, if not for 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 whatever we live in, and we live in money, starostes, uh, committees. Uh, 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 fundraising, bishops, uh, jurisdictions, uh, canons, uh, heresies. He's a heretic, don't follow him. We're living in an incredible mess in the church. Right? I mean, and, and it's even... Uh, uh, and I always agreed with, um, with uh, Voltaire, which I very seldom do, I know, but when he said, she must be divine if that... If that horrible thing continued for 17th century. Uh, uh, so, in my opinion, I, I quite agree with that. I, I think that as one grows in the church, one less and less is interested in all that. Uh, I do not expect, uh, I would be almost afraid if I would probably think of a kind of demonic plot if all bishops would start walking on waters and, 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 and trust their priests. Of course not. Uh, I mean, the church is a presence of, 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 of everything. And I know, after 35 years of priesthood, I believe and I confess the church is the Immaculate Bride of Christ. And if not for the church, we would be spiritually dead. And why, of course, not, not, not the, the statutes, things like that, you know, but the church has the only possibility in this world to, to take a very, very simple piece of bread in, in, in your hands and says, I believe and I confess this is thy body. This is thy blood. And to know that nothing, as we'll see later on, can separate us from that.
This has been Shmeiman Speaks, featuring the words and wisdom of Father Alexander Shmeiman. For more, visit St. Vladimir's Seminary online at svots.edu.